it's definitely a groundbreaking event coronavirus that's mm. so we're not even the first ones to be speaking about it the whole world mm. is obviously speaking about it and but i mean i've liked a lot of what you've had to say about it in the mm. conversations i'm actually seeing you know they say you know people are saying well what's the what's the the silver lining in this dark cloud i mean i struggle to find one i mean there's so many in my experience silver linings in this dark cloud mm. and so what's your overall sense of this this current circumstance that we're facing well very early on it became apparent to me that there were two major benefits to what was happening the one was that there was a, a, a growth of compassion I mean people were finding each other and, and having empathy for each other we were um, experiencing ourselves in others right with people, you know everybody in the globe now around the globe is now more and more people are uh, kind of in seclusion um, and this compassion has also been demonstrated in, in, in all sorts of interesting ways like sort of this unprecedented move of the Chinese to send 300 medical staff to in, in Italy to help with the crisis yeah. so there's a a rediscovery of what we would call Ubuntu in South Africa, a, a sense of our common humanity. And the second uh, attribute of this is that the whole world is being asked to go into seclusion. People are required to step back from the hysterical kind of uh, pursuit of outward gain mm. and to sit with themselves. And we're doing this around the globe. Mm. Millions of people Fascinating, um, I mean, this will will affect the world mm. because we know from uh, our own spiritual practice that a little bit of time dedicated to being inwardly gathered has a massive effect in terms of transforming one's life. Mm. And what was interesting about both of these points, um, the, the point of a, a growth of compassion and the sort of requirement of a greater inward gatheredness in people, is that this has been universally recognized. Mm. We've not gone online making this point. And um, of consistently, um, I would say there are three themes that keep on coming up yeah. um, uh, in the social media around, um, around the virus. Um, the, f the, the first two are the ones that we're talking about now, the growth of compassion and... Yeah. Um, a requirement to seclude and then there's an, an undertone of some sort of a cons conspiracy theory I mean you know this is all because of the um, 5G and uh, I mean, there's more than one yeah. no, there's numerous conspiracy theories so, but, but what's interesting is uh, it might just be the subset of people that we're connected to but that does seem to be the, 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 the second drum uh, tone Right. The predominant tone is an affirming tone. It is, mm. you know, there's um, a realism and a gratitude for what's, what's happened. But there's definitely, because there's questions about the origin of this. And uh, I mean, it's one of the fascinating things about what's going on right now is, is there's clearly like a propaganda war going on about this, right? There's mm. different stories that try, are getting propagated, and you can see that different parties are trying to propagate different stories mm. like Trump calling it the, the Chinese virus and mm. then it ended up being the Chinese communist virus mm. 
or Chinese Communist Party virus. So it's yeah, obviously yeah. someone's deliberately taking that angle on it, yeah. and it's a propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the nice thing about the the points that you you know those points about compassion is that they true irrespective of the origin story mm. of this mm. virus. That so right. whatever it came from, if it was from bats, yeah. if it was from mischief, yeah. wherever it yeah. came from, that's actually technically irrelevant because yeah. the silver lining stand right. in either instance, right. right? Because what what actually matters is the fact that we have this thing here now yeah. facing us. Mm. Yeah, and um, uh, whether you believe that there's some deep secret cult that sits behind this, is as you say, it's kind of irrelevant because mm. it has produced these two interesting effects, and that is a growth of compassion and this with a kind of you know a greater inward gatheredness of people. Mm. But I honestly think, I mean, I honestly think that the uh, all of these conspiracy theories are are just not credible. You know, mm. I mean, it's not that this is not the the first time we've faced. Uh, a, an influenza of pa pandemic proportions. Mm, I mean, it's happened, it's happened before. It happened in you know after this, the the first world war, mm. and it killed off fifty million people around the globe. Um, it also hit very specific target populations. I mean, uh, mercifully this time, it's not the young and the the robust that have been mm. killed off. It's kind of people in my generation who, you know. Arguably, we've had our we've had our turn, you know. So it's not <laughs> such a tragedy if we shuffle on. Yeah. But um, so so it's it's just not credible to blame, uh, you know, five G or you know some deep cult. Right. Uh, that's like saying that humanity is not known um, plagues before. Mm. Well, of course, we've known plagues before. It's, like in our um, DNA. it's, it's part of our human mm. condition. Yeah, I mean, and one of the things that surprised me about what the response was the financial sector and in a willingness, a surprising willingness in the financial sector to to kind of find measures to help. Mm. I mean, I found that a surprise because it's not something the ordinary discourse on things would assume that that's, that's inconsistent with their primary motive, mm. you know? Mm. I mean, you you were sharing a story with me. Was right. it you? Remind me. No, then I. Yeah, I, I forget. What was the story? Some there's something about banks passing on interest or something like that. Wasn't me. No. Okay. No, but I, I mean, it is true that um, uh, I think another benefit of what we're going through now is that the social contract in all societies have has to be reevaluated. Mm. It's it's part of the the benefit of this growth of compassion. So, for instance, there's um, there's there's a lot of uh, uh, talk coming from the west coast of America uh, with regard to what to do with all of these the, the hundred thousand homeless in California. Hmm. This is a massive population of people. You know. From one point of view, it's shameless that the wealthiest country in the world has one of its wealthiest states mm. has a hundred thousand people on the on the street. Right, know? and um, also from America, this kind of this revisiting the the health policy, you know. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that one of the effects. I mean, it remains speculative, but one of the effects of this experience is going to be that the the sort of 
the massive differential that you have between the very wealthy and the poor throughout the world, in most countries in the world, will decrease. Will decrease. And that in this country, for instance, that we are given an opportunity to relook at our social contract. Mm. I mean, we've got one of the biggest differentials in the world in, the in this world. country. And we suffer the consequences. And, we, and we're suffering the consequences of that. Mm. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter what the state does. Most of the population in this country just don't have a vested interest in the, the state. Continuing of, yeah, in the state as well. So, so, so uh, we, we need to be... one of our biggest challenges, that, exactly. Yeah. And... Um, how we've grappled with that thing up to now has just not been adequate. I mean, it's not adequate to just have a, a simple redistribution mm. of wealth. Um, but at the same time, the, maintaining the current status quo is also not appropriate. So, so what this is making possible is, um, is the people who are actually the beneficiaries of the current station status quo g- going back and say, well, how much do I actually need? Mm. And, and how, how can I make the life of my neighbor easier? I think at the same time, there has to be a re-envisioning of what does empowerment mean more fundamentally mm. for the disempowered and the disenfranchised. Because it should mean something other than what it has meant up until no. this point. No. People just getting access to finances. It's got to be more. It's got to be yeah. different. No, absolutely right. Absolutely right. And in fact, uh, hopefully it will create uh, an opportunity for us to move the debate around empowerment away from um, sort of a rights-based uh, mm. agenda and and sort of, uh, uh, you know, kind of rooted in uh, a resentment with regard mm. to What's the injustices of the past. The past you know, I mean, because the, the, uh, the problem with doing that is that when you have this kind of rights-based agenda is that you keep on focusing people's attention on what's being done to them Mm. that's fundamentally disempowering because you only have power over what you give you don't Mm. have any power over what you're getting so unless we crack the code of shifting the agenda from what people are getting to how they're contributing Mm. you will not empower people now what's interesting is that in many societies in the world there's been an expression of citizenship that hasn't been the case generally so for instance Mm. I speak under correction, but but um, you know, the, uh, compliance in Italy is not a big thing. Yeah, historically. Yeah, happens on this. Um, and in fact, it's not a lot of the deaths that are happening now are being laid at the door of the fact that the people are dying off, with the people who are non-compliant. These are the older yeah, men who were smoking. So these are by, by definition kind of you know who's going to nobody's going to tell me anything. Now, so 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 it's 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 caused the revisit of that way of looking at things, mm-hmm. and and in many societies around the world, I, I suspect it might have this effect. Yeah, a relook at the whole issue of what to what degree do I require the state to govern me, yeah. or to what degree can I govern so myself? Absolutely. You know, um, uh, there are some countries in the world that seem to be handling the crisis a hell of a lot better. Um, like in Scandinavia, for mm. instance, and it's, it's just because they've got fundamentally more compliant citizens who actually are more self-governed. Yeah, I mean, part of this whole problem is be, it's forcing people to become aware of how, of how contagious they are to their environment. It's, it's made me become more aware of that. Mm. Like, how much am I leaving behind of of my infection <laughs> mm-hmm. if I had one? And mm. that awareness is very. 
I mean, it's mm. an awareness of how is the self impacting the other. Yeah. And I think that's a fantastic yeah. awareness to build into people on an ongoing basis. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's the whole issue of why wear the mask? Mm. Well, the people aren't just wearing the mask to protect, Themself. to be protected, yeah. but to protect others from them. Yeah. 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 And it's a key aspect that is in, entered common consciousness. I've got to, if I, I've got to protect others from my own contagion. Mm. I think that's a fantastic. Mm. Mm. I mean, another thing that shifted in the discourse is is not just citizen discourse, but also state discourse. And I, it was so heartening to to hear the noises coming out of the South African government. It was very clearly service based. Mm. Very clearly, whatever they were communicating was driven by. M- just recently has been driven by the agenda of how can we keep our citizens safe mm. what do we need to do mm. to uplift our citizens and I feel like that's a, mm. a very good example that's now being propagated mm. and um, it, it in, engendered in me the feeling that you know I don't have to worry because there's people out there who are genuinely doing their best mm. to protect all of us from this mm. so I just got to do my bit but then I don't have to worry past mm. that because I mean, I can see that they mm. care, right? Mm. And they, they want to mm. keep us all safe. Mm. It's one of the first times in a long time that I felt a, a significant degree of pride for, the, you know, our our governing bodies in our yeah, state yeah, as, yeah, a, yeah. as a collective, not just the ANC, but as a collective, yeah. how they've come together yeah, right. for the most part. That's right. I had uh, this morning, I was included in a, in a WhatsApp group of one of our key clients, mm. big mining client. Right. Uh, a group. The group was created by the CEO of the business, and um, it was very directive, hmm. and and absolutely concerned with how do we protect our employees. Have they gotten um, concerned now? They are very concerned. Yeah. I mean, you know, so um, all sorts of things that you wouldn't normally think of. You know, it's hmm. a mass. Uh, I mean, it's a large employer, so mass distribution of washing equipment. Um, uh, you know, there's a really um, dramatically mobilizing the business to try and protect people not only in the on the on the on the operation but also in the surrounding community. Mm. You know, this is a Sunday morning. I mean, I got the message. The first message came through at about half past seven this morning. So it's um, his mind's at his it. His mind's at it over the weekend. You know, you know, exactly. Yeah. And I don't think he'd be unique. I think there's no. a lot of business leaders that are looking at this problem from this point of mm. view. You know. And I suppose one of the questions in everybody's mind is, well, what's going to remain standing after the shambles? Yeah. Um, how many enterprises are going to survive this? But one of the things is that we food hasn't come to, you know, in South Africa we have bumper crops because of the rain we've had. Mm. Um, so I... I mean that's an interesting dynamic when it th- when you talk about what's going to come to a standstill, what's going to stop. I mean I think there's also a question of what's essential. What do you, do we really yeah, need yeah. to continue functioning? Yeah. Because I mean at the end of the day, the the entirety of society is just built on human effort. Mm. So we can see now. Like, I mean I don't think human effort will stop, and if human effort doesn't stop, then there isn't going to be nothing. There's going to be something, but we'll have to see how human effort gets gets um, kind of invested and where it goes. Mm. And I think it's definitely going to be invested in new ways. We obviously have to invest it in new ways. Well, hopefully, hopefully one of the 
the, the outcomes of this is going to be the insight that um, effort directed inward, mm. work on the inward, work on the inside is legitimate work. Um, it's one of the things that's really set us apart as, as, a, a, species. as a species, as mm. a civilization, is this extreme outward, outwardly focused okay, attention yeah. mm. and uh, a real dismissal of the significance of inner work. Um, you know, it's, um, I, we find this in our work all the time. We're yeah. trying to get people to start doing more reflective work, more mm. inner work, sort of meditating or journaling. Oh, it's yeah. generally considered to be a waste of time. Mm. You know, uh, hopefully this will then start indicating to people that inner work is, is legitimate work. It's not only legitimate work, it really is the work that's Necessary needed. Work, yeah. mm. I mean, I, I think something that's not necessarily been spoken enough about is the problem of, of um, mental health in this. You know, with people that haven't done inner work mm. and have been so externally gathered for such extended periods of time... Mm. And you know we're lucky because we, you know, when we isolate, we're on a on a on a plot, so we've got room around us. Mm. I mean, I feel concerned for people that have like a one-bedroom apartment, wow. and have and because I mean, that apartment is basically just where they sleep, right? The rest of their mm. life is out in the world, mm. interacting with people, being busy in the city mm. or whatever mm. like that. I no, mean, now they're in jail. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I wonder how people are going to cope with that. Mm. I mean, because you see, I mean, you put people into isolation, right? And you put people into khalwa and mm -hmm. get them to sit alone with themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people, that's a, it's a horrible experience. It's a very challenging experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, is it, is it always a safe experience for people? Can keep, well, it's always beneficial. But that's why I think what's happening now is going to be is such a blessing that millions of people are being forced to disengage they might people. suffer they'll suffer they'll suffer boredom they'll suffer irritation they'll mm. suffer but things will clarify for them that you know the yeah, moment you start you start being with yourself and you stop dedicating attention to the world out mm. there immediately the things that you're fleeing start to surface yes okay. you know we, we we don't we don't deal with our demons because most of our attention is hooked by things we're trying to achieve in the world so um, we, we don't realize that we're not actually running towards something in most of us. We're actually trying, we're running, running away, away from something. something. Now, if you can't, if there's no towards to run to, run to then the only thing that you have is what, what's going on here mm. and uh, having to deal with what's going on over here. So, I mean, I think the only, the only sort of dark lining on what is this silver cloud yeah. if we're allowed to use that metaphor yeah, I like it. is that uh, is that people might spend too much time on the web you know that they kind of because that's another way of just keeping yourself entertained yeah, yeah that's what I'm doing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the interesting things is that there's kind of there's a dual aspect of this thing so in a certain sense I feel like the world is being forced to go local but in, a, in another sense, when they're isolated at home, they're becoming more international because they get more connected. Mm. You know, the social, you know, they're, they're more of the attention is going to be invested on the internet, mm. which is a global thing. You know, mm. there's no mm. real, there's very few local barriers to mm. what you experience on the internet. I suppose the experience of what's going on around you, but yeah. it's, it's the thing that keeps us the most connected. Mm. So in a certain sense, we're told, I feel like it's time now to be more local, but at also the same time, 
to be connected to the world around us mm. more, mm. you know, more global. It's like globalization has to change now. It has to become something else. It's still got to mm. be there. But I think it's got to be less about sending our goods over there rather than sh sharing in a common consciousness. Mm. And I mean, I think one of the things that, that must really, you know, I think tourism, the way in which we travel between nations needs to change. Mm. And if you look at how the whole the whole world structures its approach to people coming into the country, it always, they always um, kind of put a higher emphasis on getting tourists in rather mm. than other, you know, there's, there's less barriers of entry for a tourist than there are for someone who wants to come stay for extended periods of time. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's maybe the wrong way around because what you're then incentivizing is only flitting into yeah. visitations of, mm -hmm. of foreigners into your country, not deeply bedded relationships. Mm -hmm. Because what's, what, is, what level of relationship does a tourist have with a place? Mm -hmm. You've got a very superficial yeah, relationship, exactly. just yeah. flitting on up. But if you go, you move there, you live there for three years, you become part of the place. Mm -hmm. That's a real... And I feel like that level of travel, that deep connection isn't the problem. The problem is all the superficial. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think as, as a species, we should move more towards that level of in, in connection with each other like when you go to a place don't go for two weeks go mm -hmm. for two years kind of thing i don't know if uh, what you think of yeah this. I, I mean i don't really have a view of that i've, I've no idea what the, where the world's going to go to after mm. this i wouldn't be surprised if we end up you know two years after disaster the disaster still traveling like we traveled right um yeah I don't think modern logistics and transport per se is the problem. Is the problem. I think the problem is how our intent configures yeah. as we're doing this. And so if we change that X factor, because we've sat alone for a while and we've had a mm. chance to revisit what's important in our lives, maybe that'll change how we travel. Maybe it'll change that we travel, for different but reasons. more likely it'll change why we travel. Yeah, we travel for yeah. different reasons. And we will travel for different reasons. Possibly some of the implications of that would be that we, we rather than having this sort of um, just this superficial fleeting mm. kind of connection that we we try and stay for longer. Right. And, uh, we try it's also what do what do states emphasize? I mean, what do states or incentivize? Right now, states incentivize tourism into their country. It's like it's easier. You don't. You almost don't want to consider staying longer than three months in South Africa because you just don't want to face the bureaucratic headache that that mm. involves. Mm. You know, so they incentivize short duration stay rather than longer, deeper. You know, and uh, if you've been on this side of that experience of trying to get someone to to move to this country to stay here for extended periods mm. of time, it's a nightmare. I think it's more. Got, that's got more to do with the fact that given the modern setup of like work and holiday time it's uh, short duration travel is um, is the, the main market and the laws are set up to accommodate that that's market I don't, right. think, I don't think the market is created by legislation I think the legislation is created to service the market mm. I mean, you know look I mean if we say that what's happening as a result of this is that we're there's like the species wide consciousness that we're I mean it really is actually fundamentally challenging the legitimacy of the nations or of the state mm. of the national state not the nation but the national state you know 
I mean, you, you, this thing of borders and passports and things is actually a horrendous injustice. Mm. In, in, if you, in, in the Roman Empire, you could travel from Britain to Syria mm. and not face that kind of nonsense if you're mm. a Roman citizen. You had free access. That is the, one of the advantages of being a Roman citizen. Mm. It is not dissimilar in the Ottoman Empire. In fact, the Ottomans encouraged movement between mm. people of people in, from different areas and trade and so on. You know, so so um, the we are as a species we are rapidly outgrowing the usefulness of the national yes, state. Yeah. You know, now does that mean we need a super government like um, maybe a super United Nations that? And I mean that for me is a creepy idea yeah. because, but there may be maybe what we, uh, you know, there's um, I mean there was a movement a couple of years ago where people started uh, were suggesting that that uh, the only the only governance that makes any sense is 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 is, is the metropole. Hmm. So going back to the like the 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 Greek polis right. that you have that the municipality is the is the only governance that's required. And that, and that you have a very loose global organization between mm. various metropoles. That that this this the that the that you have um the sense of gravity of governance goes back down to local level mm. with freedom to move as a global citizen. Now what is possible is that the human material to make this global citizenship possible might very well be a consequence of the coronavirus. Right. So you don't, yeah, that, it all depends on what's the populace as you're working with. It really depends on yeah, that. That's right. Yeah. Governance always has to fit populace, otherwise yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. If we assume after this a fundamentally more conscious citizen um, who's deliberately more uh, socially compliant who's got a greater sense of social kind of... Uh, um, custodial responsibility. Custodial, like a custodial responsibility. Then this person obviously needs less governing. Mm. You know, and, um, and then maybe, you know, it's the, the, if we say what tier of governance we can weaken, then maybe we weaken the national tier of governance. And mm. um, so have like... Um, you know, like the equivalent of European Union, but for the globe, hmm. like, you know. So many people, so many of the right people get so terrified by this no notion, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I do think there's, 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 there is this combat, or this, but you, you'll see what happens with, with, uh, with mm. this, because this, it's going to shift things. Mm. But right now, definitely, there's this tension between the more global and, and the local, you know, and mm. the, and when you're local, it's it's intimidating or threatening when global people are putting restrictions. And mm. but then I, I suppose that also, it, depending on the populace, the the global body would have to be more or less prescriptive. You know, this does talk to a theme that we've been speaking about for some time now, and that's the whole idea of the politics of convergence. Yeah, that um, you know, our our history as a species from our original kind of migration out of Africa was a, a history of divergence. Be, for whatever reason, we kept on moving further and further away from each other. Mm. And um, uh, 
one can posit that the principal variable in that divergence was in, was was a competitiveness. Mm. You know, if I compete with you, then you and I cannot cannot be, be in the same space, so we'll mm. move away from each other. Right. And so we've had this competitiveness, which kind of drove human history. Mm. Um, I mean, certainly, uh, for, you know, up until you know, from up until now, you know, um, uh, and particularly once we started to uh, coalesce in more complex societies other than hunter-gatherer societies. But because the globe is a world, is a, is, 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 because the world is a globe, I beg your pardon, you know, the more you diverge on a globe, you come together, you come on, together the on the other side. So now there isn't a city in the world where you don't have people from every continent and probably languages spoken in every continent represented in the city. Mm. Um, th this is a new game. Mm. Um, the, you know, you, you, the, the, the denigration of the other is no longer feasible because the other's cheek by jowl to you. Mm. So we, there's the, 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 the new rules of the game have to be not how can I compete with you and how can I diverge with you, mm. but how can I collaborate with you? How can I get on with you? How can I live with you? Mm. You know, how can, so, so, so the, the, this crisis, I think, is lifting the, the, the level of the debate at which that can happen. Because we are seeing our, our humanity in each other. Mm. Mm. I think we can close this. Cool, man. Right. Thank you. Then we can call it quits there, eh? Mm.